0: I, I'm very intrigued by the
1: idea of a sequel, but well, I'd, I'd love to see it from more of the perspective of uh, Professor Perlman, I which allegedly
0: that, is allegedly what the book is. That's
1: what they're saying. Yeah. yeah, which which it would be wonderful. I love. When, yeah. I love when Michael Stuhlbarg gets right roles. You know, yeah.
0: I almost feel like that's almost the better option because it puts less pressure on them to recreate exactly what happened in the first movie. Yeah. Um, but then that being said. This is is one of those movies where, like, you just want to know everything that happened before this movie and everything. Like, you want it just to continue. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that, you know, it's, like, a little over two hours long. It's two hours and 12 minutes. And, like, I would like the five-hour cut. Mm -hmm. I want just hours of them, like, lounging out. Like, there's just such an atmosphere to -hmm. this movie. We're jumping so far ahead, we're already starting to talk about the movie. I'm going to loop back and I'm going to intro the whole show. And what movie are we talking about? What movie are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Who even knows? Is this is this something that they want... The the, the listeners wanted us to cover this movie, right? Um, they wanted us to talk about Call Me By Your Name? I think so. Were they a little... Were they, yeah, they were like asking for it. There's actually there's actually a review on iTunes that just says, did I miss your Call Me By Your Name episode? <laughs> And we've just been edging them. Well, so it's, well, it's, it's a small little film that not a lot of people heard of. Yeah, it you know? has
1: no internet following. It no. didn't create Timothy Stans It it certainly didn't get any Oscar nominations It certainly it's didn't like, get any. Oscar it's his nominations. smallest role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's doesn't he's not he's barely in it. Like he's not even in like, it until like the set like the second half. Right. Like,
2: we can agree that Timothy's barely in the movie because he disappears entirely.
1: Oh
0: Ooh. well, like, what better way? <laughs> To introduce Chasing Chalamet, a bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, a Timothy Stan created by the movie we're going to be talking about today, in a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor, Timothy Hal Chalamet. Uh, it will come as no surprise that on today's episode we are finally covering Luca Guadagnino's 2017 romantic coming-of-age drama, Call me by your name. We will be talking about our thoughts, feelings, critiques, praise. I'm not even going to say lack thereof because I have nothing bad to say about this movie. Um, Whatever we want to say about this film. And then we are going to discuss Timothy's performance and his role in the film. What function does he serve to the story? LOL. (laughs) He is the story in this case. Um, We're just so used to talking about supporting roles that, you know, we we have to throw that in there. But here, it's, it's honestly one and the same. Um, is he cast well? What does his participation in this film bring to the table? And what I think is going to be interesting about that conversation for this episode is it's less about, because obviously his participation is everything. It's more about like how this movie and this performance like created a movie star, frankly, or an art throb, as, as people on the internet like to say. Um, Then on a scale from one to five peaches, finally giving the peach movie the peach scale, uh, we are going to together grade the film in different categories. We're going to grade the quality of the film, Timmy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, as always, the reason we're all here, his hair. Um, Now that we have gotten that out of the way, I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. He is a photographer, a cinephile, a filmmaker. The phrase is um, bon vivant. And swell guy were thrown around when deciding how to intro him. It's Mike Corky. Hello, hi Mike. How are hi, you? I'm
1: doing wonderful. You're doing wonderful. Right. Yeah. Is that because
0: you've watched Call Me By Your Name twice in the last 24 hours? It's
1: it's just it's that good. It's that good. It's that good. Yeah. And also you've got to watch it with commentary. You you yes. you've got it. You've got to watch it because it's just Timothy and Michael Stuhlbarg just talking. Yeah, and just like shooting the shit. Right. It's nice.
0: It is interesting that they went with. Sulbar and Timothy, as opposed to like Timothy and Luca or Timothy and Arm. Like those pair. I mean, obviously, any that pairing makes sense. It's the father and son characters. But there, yeah, it's usually with director or with any commentary. Usually, you get the director. Yeah,
1: but uh, but it it almost works better because I feel like when you have a director on a commentary, they sort of have like this bias. Mm -hmm. I guess you know, it's like it's like they're talking about their baby. Yeah, you know,
0: and it can be like a little over explained. Yeah,
2: defensive.
0: Whereas like when you're watching, when you're watching it with like Stulberg and Timothy, it's more about their experience of the film, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. which which even though they obviously are in it and they made it, like they're more of an audience than like a writer or a director will be. So yeah, you're, that is a very like interesting. I I need to watch it like sit down back to finish mm-hmm. with um the commentary on because I've only kind of watched it like in passing. But the idea of listening to Michael Stuhlbarg and Timothy Chalamet talk about this
1: movie is almost like too good to be true. Well, and they just point out these little details, Mm -hmm. you know? There's, like, so many moments where Army Hammer is, like, he just, like, touches a wall Mm -hmm. or, you know, he, like, he, like, puts his hand on, like, someone's shoulder and it's, like, you don't you don't pick up on that sometimes, yeah. you know, and it, and it's nice when, like, the actors who experienced it are like, oh, yeah, I, I loved that moment when we did that, you mm-hmm. know, I can't believe we got that on that take. Right. Like,
0: yeah, I remember specifically there's a moment where they they first go to the beach because um they found, they uncovered those statues that were yeah. in the water, and they talk about how Timothy's mic pack is falling. Oh, and he grabs and his, and his shirt. he's <laughs> grabbing at it, so now every time I watch that, I see that, and I love that it's so beautiful that that doesn't, like, ruin
1: it for me. Like It's, 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 it's like, it's so natural.
0: Right. I feel, I, I kind of feel like in my heart of hearts, all movies deserve to we watch more than once, but obviously like we don't have time for that not, for every movie, not all movies. Not all movies. No. This is a movie. And, and I, and I bring that up to say, I I'm sure if you watch any movie, this will happen, but because I have seen this movie so much, I'm always surprised by seeing something I didn't see before. And I, 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 I very specifically remember my favorite moment in the film, probably. And certainly my favorite performance thing that Timothy does is when they're saying goodbye at the train station. He tucks his fist under his chin, mm. and it's just this like, I don't know. It it just it feels so personal. It, and I I remember I didn't catch it when we saw it in theaters for the first time together. Mm. Um, so I don't, when I bought the Blu Ray and watched it at home, I like caught that moment, and I just was like, oh my god. And then watching it two nights ago, I never noticed that. Um it's either like the first it's not the first night obviously because the first night um oliver gets there and he just like goes to bed and elio's like what the fuck is this guy there's a moment where he's like writing in his journal for the first time about oliver and there's like a blue shirt on the back of the chair and it's it's never really said like i don't think it's the blue shirt he ends up giving him but Mm -hmm. like it it is a blue shirt so it's whether it's one he had already or it's that shirt. like it's it's just i never caught that he already like was trying to like dress like him and Mm -hmm. think like him like it just things like that you don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is that what it's like the 12th or 13th time I've seen that. And I didn't think about it till that
1: moment. Well, he's just such a marvelously expressive actor, especially, and it's highlighted so well in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, like you're talking about like things that you don't notice the first time rewatching this. And there's the, there's a scene earlier in the film where, um, where he's playing the guitar Mm -hmm. and, uh, Oliver is like play that for me like again mm-hmm. and he like goes and he plays it on the piano and it's that whole sequence, it's just one take. Mm-hmm. And you look at Timothy's face as he's playing and he's almost like he's he's teasing Oliver, but he's mm-hmm. teasing the audience too. Yeah. You know, it's it's very it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's
2: also terrified in that scene. Yeah, because he learned how to play the piano. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: He learned to play it f- and the and the, and the guitar mm-hmm. for like a sequence that lasted like three seconds. Yeah. Like he mm-hmm. he spent like a month like learning that. But yeah. it's it's just it's it's remarkable to to watch like an actor so young but have such an understanding of how to control a scene. Yeah.
0: And doing it against people who are. Much more seasoned, yeah, established actors, yeah. You know, what whatever you think of Army Hammer, he is a more seasoned actor than Timothy Chalamet and Stuhlbarg, and you know, it's just it's he just, and I think that's so crucial for the character because Mm -hmm. you 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 need to at once understand that he is seventeen and the fact that you know it's like he says like if only you knew the things I didn't know, but then at the same time he is so much smarter Mm -hmm. and more worldly that you just like you wouldn't get that from another actor i think his age like, i don't think you'd get that same performance from like and this is no like slight but like you wouldn't get that performance from ansell gore like you wouldn't get no. that performance from honestly even like lucas hedges as much as i like lucas hedges i just think there's there's this wisdom that he has in this worldliness that is only compounded by the fact that he's you know french and italian and he's just so fucking worldly as a person God, I feel like we've already jumped in so far. Like we, I mean, not that we need to tell people what the plot of this movie is. Um If you're
1: listening to this and you haven't already right. seen this movie, then yeah, y- 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 get
0: on that. Just fucking watch. Like, yeah, I, if you haven't listened to Call Me By Your Name, please stop listening and just fucking watch it. <laughs> it's just, it's gorgeous to watch it unfold for the first time. Yeah. Watching this movie for the first, like, so.
2: Yeah. Go to Target. <laughs> buy it. Go home. Turn all the lights off and watch it. Mm-hmm. Put your phone away. Put it in a drawer. Yeah,
0: don't. This is not a movie you're on your phone during. Um. So yeah, so for I, but I suppose we'll just for you know the sake of consistency of the podcast format. Uh, so "Call Me by Your Name" is a story. It takes place in the summer of 1983, somewhere in northern Italy, as the title sequence likes to say, and it is about a young 24-year-old graduate student, yeah. Oliver, who comes to Italy for the summer to stay with a professor and his family. Uh, the professor, played by Michael Stuhlbarg. And his son is played by Timothy Chalamet. His name is Elio, and it is about the romance that unfolds between the two. And it's it's very much a plotless movie. Like this sounds like a slight, but there's no like story other than just the story of their relationship.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's character driven. It, well, because like inf- it unfolds almost in real time. I mean, they shot it mostly chron- chronologically. Right. So yeah. you know, it it has this sort of like documentary sort of feel like it just feels like the camera is there right you know in a lot
0: of ways this feels like such an invasive movie and I don't mean that in a bad way I mean that just like you literally feel like you are watching the most private moments that anyone's ever experienced which I find so interesting because there was kind of a pushback and a debate when this movie came out about how like they don't explicitly show the sex and that never bothered me because this entire movie feels like sex yeah it well, whether you're seeing it or not
2: like i mean there's so much intimacy right like you see you're, you see people go to the bathroom and right like, yeah sneaking glances at someone changing yeah and
1: you don't need the explicitness you know it mm-hmm. it's it's the it's it's implied it's there yeah you know the the moment when they you know they first consummate their love mm-hmm. i guess you know the camera just pans out the window hmm and it just stays there
2: statically. You hear yeah. a little
1: bit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and that's all you need. Right, because it, because it's it's not for you. Okay? Right, exactly. And
2: even after that, when he's mopping himself up, yes. it feels it feels explicit to see that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. there's a shot. I think maybe the first shot after they pan out the the, the window and it's the trees. It is then a shot. Of leg I mean, you honestly can't tell whose legs it is because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's. I mean, it's two white men, but the, the tangle of their legs, you can barely tell who it is. That feels so much more intimate mm-hmm. to me than watching Elio bottom. Like yeah. I, like I just, I don't. This it's, is gonna sound crazy, but like I don't need to see it. Like it's like, it's
1: like if you want, if you want to go and see someone bottom, go watch Weekend. Yeah, you know, like that. That's a right. movie where the explicitness feels. Like, it feels right. It feels in, in yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, because it's like more of this supposed to be a hookup yeah, but turns into romance whereas this is a a, romance. a slow burn it's yeah. a, it's you know it, it smolders yeah it's not like they fuck in the beginning and then they like learn to love each other over the course that's totally not what this movie is no, yeah, about yeah, yeah. but yeah this movie is just full i even think about the scene where um you know Mr. and Mrs. Perlman are sitting um like outside discussing Oliver going where does he go she doesn't it's not Rome bergamo they go to yeah. bergamo yes and just the way that they're like lounging together, and she's wearing that like strapless bikini top, and mm-hmm. she like puts his, she like throws her hand over on him. Is like, oh well, Elio should go. Like you know, like it, it's just it, you feel like you are just watching these people in the most quiet moments of their life. It's like it's like you're a guest, yeah, in their home, one hundred percent, which is totally backed up by the fact that like throughout the summer it's like a revolving door, mm-hmm. and it's even you know, at the, and I mean it's, it's kind of played for. A little bit of comedy because the boys go off and then Mrs. Perlman invites the two girls they left behind like over for dinner almost as like a oh you you women your men your mans are going off to fuck in Bergamo like come <laughs> over and have like it's just everyone's coming and going all the time yeah I've never felt more like welcomed
1: into a movie it's very warm yeah and and you're and you're right it, it is also you know funny and that sort of those comedic breaks mm-hmm. you know they sort of allow the tension to sort of fizzle away for a little bit. And, you know, you don't, you don't always feel on edge. You don't always feel like, you know, Oh no, is this romance going to work? Is this Mm -hmm. romance, you know, it's, you get lost in some of these little, you know, these little transgressive moments, you know, like, uh, there's one moment when, it's like a scene with like Elio and Oliver and then it just immediately cuts to like these two, uh, this Italian couple that is at, <laughs> at their dinner table and they're just arguing yeah. back and forth. And, and it's just, everybody else is watching and it's, it's just, it's, it's remarkable that yeah. like it, he can just cut away to these little moments and it feels natural. Yeah. Um,
0: so speaking of that moment is really funny. So I have to tell you, um, <laughs> God, I don't even know how long this is going to be. This, gonna, this might be a very long episode. Sorry, Will. Sorry, sorry to this editor. Um, (laughs) So that moment I was laughing when I watched it Friday night because um, so my boyfriend, Casey, so he watched it like kind of early on when we started dating because I was like, you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name? And he like, I think he had maybe like suggested watching it together. And I was like, oh, no, like we ain't ready for that yet. Like I was like, that's that's a whole other thing. (laughs) So I think he like decided to watch it on his own. And I didn't realize until like, I don't think he told me until recently when we were planning to rewatch it because I was going to rewatch it for recording this. He told me that he watched it online and whatever version he found, they didn't have subtitles. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, well, like you probably didn't miss much. Like, I mean, yeah, there's like some Italian and French, but like, it's probably like not a huge deal. And then watching it last night, I was like, oh, you missed a lot. And, And I mean, that scene where the couple's arguing the comedy and the point of it is more that they're arguing. It's less what they're saying. But it just reminded me of that where, like, oh, my God, like, he was just, like, watch. And then, you know, after we finished it, he was, like, wow, that was such a different experience having, like, known what all these people are saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, because then there's, like, a whole conversation where um, Elio's talking to his mom and he's, like, you know, she. it's the one where, like, he's she notices that he's wearing the necklace and she, like, holds it and she, like, holds it up to his chest and she says, like, I think he likes you more than you. Like, that's all in Italian. So mm-hmm. you're just you're missing that
1: without reading it, but I just, but I don't think you miss anything. No, is the real thing. Like you, you could watch it without subtitles and like, you still get the emotion. You still get everything. And and it, and it's not so much about what's said. It's how it's said. Yeah. Like, like going, going back to the the dinner table, the arguing and like Luca cuts so often to everybody else's reactions to it. Mm -hmm. that, that's almost more important than what they're saying. Same, exactly. th- same thing with Elio talking with his mom. Mm-hmm. It's it's more about, you know, the, the touch and, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the tone. Every
0: you know? glance that she gives him.
1: It's also reassuring.
0: His parents, just the way that they, the way that the promens created this, like, oasis in which Elio was allowed to be who he is, is so beautiful. And...
2: And it's, it's echoed in the book, but even talking about a movie that is about the queer experience where that feels so genuine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Like we, we, we have like the love Simons where the parents are very supportive, but here the parents are so warm. Right. He could do anything and yeah. They would support him. Yeah. He could go and like massacre 30,000 people and they'd be like, Oh, but he did it. Right. <laughs> okay. We love our boy so much. Yeah.
0: Um, it's. It's so interesting to, I I have had conversations with people who will say yeah, I don't think like his mom knew what was going on from the beginning. Like by the end it's very clear mm-hmm. that they know cuz they like hang up the phone. They're like, "Oh, we'll let you talk to Oliver." And then they have like the alliance, but like mm-hmm. from the very beginning, I think they know what's going on. Like I I'm not saying that they like picked Oliver and they're like, mm, this one <laughs> he's going to make our son a man." Like that's <laughs> but like I just think like from from observing them, they just knew, like, they just knew there was something. And it, they never had to be... Expl- I mean, that's why, at the end, during his monologue, he says, you had a beautiful friendship, maybe more than a... Like, he's not yeah. assuming anything. He's just... it, it just, It's so lovely how they just don't question it. Like, yeah, like, when at the end, when he says... When he asks his mom to come pick him up from mm-hmm. the train station, she doesn't ask him what's wrong. She doesn't pry. She just holds the back of his head as they're driving. And it's... It's just, yeah, I I, I love... That it is both
1: what it's it's kind of a fantasy, like, but it never feels overbearing or exhausting. No, you know, it, it 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 all feels so very natural. You know, you, you would find other directors or writers like make those moments feel preachy,
0: but um, like they're they're almost not making a statement. Like right. it's almost there's no soapbox. They're just like we're just presenting this story. Yeah. And we're just, these are the characters. Like, there's no, yeah, like, L- L- Love, Simon is a good comparison because I really like Love, Simon. I think it's very well made. It's very lovely. Mm-hmm. But it has to be almost like an issue movie. Yeah. Like, it has to, like, make a, a statement. Whereas this is just, like, this is just a love story.
1: It's, like, the fact that they're exploring their sexualities just feels circumstantial. You right. Know, it it yeah. doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like that was the point they were trying to make. Yeah. Yeah.
0: um And I think that's also reflected, too, in the fact that, like, in a lot of ways, this is just a story about Elio being just like a very horny teenage boy. Yeah. Like I like I remember kind of the first time I saw it, I had some question about like, oh, he's like going to fuck this girl and he's just going to like fuck a peach. I'm like, he's just like, he's just wow, like, wow. Like, what are what are they trying to say here with this? And then I, you know, having watched it multiple times now, I, I think it's just trying to highlight that he is exploring everything. Mm-hmm. And that's why you kind of I mean, we say it jokingly, but like this movie is just big by bi energy big queer energy because you know yes it is i would say like you can classify this as a gay romance but you by saying that you are missing the spectrum of sexuality that is explored by all of the characters
1: yeah because because it's not just elio and right you know it it, there there are so many supporting yeah there are so many supporting characters who are also experiencing this too Mm -hmm. and reveal that they have experienced it in the past yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has one central focus. Mm -hmm. And that's, I like that. I like that about the movie. It's,
2: it's, it's pure coming of age really for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like so much of Elio, it's not pure sexuality. He's just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. He's so tightly wound. The things he writes in his little note, his Mm -hmm. little brown notebook, like the fact that he, he cries a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know, like he thrashes about, Mm -hmm. like he's just a pent up teenager. Yeah. Oh, I love that scene where
0: he's, like, about to jerk off and then Oliver comes in. And he has to
1: hide his erection. Yeah,
0: but then, and they don't, again, they don't make it explicit. We don't, like, see his tented boxers. Like, but Oliver looks. Yeah. And then looks up and says, I'm going to go get changed and, like, leaves him. And it's just this intimate moment of, like. He hits the bed. And he, He, yeah, he,
2: slams his head. Oh, it's so great. Like. So I, I noticed something for the first time watching this last night. There's a fly in that yeah, scene. That yeah. He, oh, and it, it goes onto his boxer. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, a fly at the very end of the movie yeah. is circling his head yeah. as he cries into the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Just like, it's such an interesting yeah. connection that is pure happenstance. Right. Just the fact that there are flies in this house. Yeah. I mean, it, everywhere. It, it, it just, you yeah. hear them.
0: It, it puts, I mean, and that actually brings up a good point because one of the things I really want to talk about in this episode is the sound design of this movie. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Like just the, the cicadas creeks. and the creeks of the house. Yeah. So like, obviously you don't like hear the fly, but it's just that the naturalistic way that that like lends itself to the atmosphere of this movie. Like everything is very like, I mean, there's that scene where the three sound design things that stand out to me most in this movie in the very first scene when he's throwing clothes onto the bed, there's just this like thud of the clothes hitting the bed. Then the, Second one. And I don't know. This one just like it. Maybe it's just the intimacy of the scene. I don't know what it is. When he pulls the pit out of the peach and throws it and it cracks to the ground. Like, yeah. oh my. Like, I don't know. That sound. It's a wonderful sound. Like, oh, like
1: it highlights everything.
0: Right. Like, I don't. It, just the, the the intimacy of that moment is almost like broken by that crack. I actually have forgotten about the third sound design thing because I just am so enthralled with the way that that peach pit hits the floor and it's beautiful.
1: I love every sound of water mm-hmm. in, in this movie. It's, it's so crisp there there's a there's a great moment early on when uh elio and oliver are hanging by the um that like swimming pool and uh oliver just like rolls into mm-hmm. the pool and like hits it and like you just hear the weight yeah. of him like he you you in that moment you're like oh he is a large dude yeah like all like
0: ex- what is what's the joke in social all 6 2 yeah and there's army and hammer there's two and him. there's two of him <laughs> oh no now i'm thinking of elio getting <laughs> double teamed by the wiggle pies that's another that's another for another time <laughs> Um, yeah, the the sound, like I was actually thinking about water as a theme throughout the movie mm-hmm. because one of the, the first time aside from their handshake in the beginning, the first time he touches him, he grabs the water out of his hand that he's about to give to the friend. And yeah. there's, and there's just, there's, there's just so much like, you know, them standing in the Creek and then, you know, him falling. Like there's just so much. And then later when then, like, I feel like there's always kind of these moments of contained, water like it's there it's tempting mm-hmm. and then by the time they go on the trip together and Mystery of Love starts playing there's just a waterfall cascading over oh, yeah. the cliff like it's just and they're finally free and they're finally able to be themselves I guess that waterfall is only open like once a year to yeah. like let the water out and so like they convinced them to like open it for that so they had like whatever 20 minutes to shoot that and it was like slick and wet and one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they're running up the hill and Elio turns around and ruffles Oliver's hair and then keeps running and then Oliver turns. I'll, I think Army Hammer talked about, like, Luca, Guadagnino directing him in that moment and Luca just saying, like, and you just think about everything. And, like, that was the direction. Army was like, the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, like, there's, like, the pressure because they only have so much time to, like, get this shot yeah. and everything. But, yeah, I think, too, and it's, it's so unfortunate because this is just not a movie that would ever get nominated for, like, sound design because it's not... And I don't mean this as a slight, but like it's not a Star Wars movie. There no. isn't, there isn't, you don't think about having to create all of those sounds, but you do. Mm-hmm. And on that same vein, I think Call Me Very Name deserves many, many superlatives for best sure. blank. Yeah. I think it is m- one of my favorite costume
1: designed films of all time. Oh yeah. It's so wonderfully simple and so evocative of the time period. Yeah. And, and yet, and yet it feels like, you know, I I couldn't look in my closet and pick out those outfits yeah, for myself. Like, right, that ju- it, it, they fit.
0: Right, yeah. Just the the way he like wears those really baggy jeans, but they're cuffed so perfect. I mean, fortunately. Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer have two types of bodies that most things look great on them. Mm-hmm. Like even when Oliver's wearing those like big ass baggy shorts, I'm just yeah. like, if I put those on, I would look like a clown. Yeah, you can just put anything on them and it works.
1: Speaking of those cut, there is just a great shot of like their feet when they're like sitting on the edge of the bed. It's right b- it's right before they have sex for the first time. Yeah. And you're right. There's just cuffed so perfectly mm-hmm. and they it looks so I, I don't like like my jeans are cuffed right now and they look like shit so <laughs> like but
2: again big bisexual energy in this movie yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um no again there's a lot of i'm i'm about to feel like quentin tarantino not in a good way there's a lot of great feet Stuff in this movie. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite scenes is when he re- massages his foot when he has a nosebleed. Oh yeah, I yeah, love and, that and, and scene. that story he
1: talks about how it's like his grandfather taught him to do that and yeah, make him feel better, right? Um, and also how he, call, he calls him Bubby. Yeah, like, it, I mean it's it, wild it's that I don't
0: think there's ever been a person who looked less Jewish
1: than Army Hammer. Yet I like believe there are so many mo- there. There are so many great moments of like being proud to be a Jew, mm-hmm. like in this movie yeah. wh- that you wouldn't expect going right. into it. Yeah. There's a oh there's there's a there's a great line. I forgot I forgot how it's phrased, but something uh Elio is talking to Oliver and he's saying like his mom calls them like Jews of discretion. Jews of discretion. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's such a a very timely line, especially yeah. especially, you know, where when this is set, where this is set. Mm-hmm. But it but the way he says it and the way he describes it, like it's it's beautiful in a way. Yeah. And listening to the commentary I think Timothy said that's one of his favorite lines in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, well, no, it it highlights what you said before, where like this isn't a quote
0: unquote comedy, but there are moments of humor that are so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're just so funny. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't call it out to itself. It's not like we're gonna hit a comedy beat now. It just it just it just punctuates the atmosphere, whatever's happening in such a lovely way.
1: All good drama should understand humor yeah you know the same thing with like horror anything like that right. you you need humor to diffuse situations mm-hmm. now now it's not like you have to force the humor yeah let it come naturally mm-hmm. which is what this film does so often
0: yeah oh i mean i was just thinking about the scene where they're about to have sex for the first time in the door slams and he <laughs> does that like gorgeous little like he like moves his arms like back and forth then he's like Ugh! and like he's like trying not to laugh and just yeah, there's just, there's so many moments like that. I mean, anytime, like, I think this movie is just full of moments where Timothy does, like, little dances or little, like, movements. Like, where he first puts on the shirt and he when does, he like, and he through. slides. Oh, it's just, like, so, so cute. And mm-hmm. I just, I, there's so many times where he, like, adjusts his boner where it's, like, when he, when they get back from the beach and he bikes to, See if Maurizio is gonna yes. be at the water. He like gets off his bike and kind of like walks around and like
1: pulls his boner down. It, or or after or after he 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 does oral uh, yeah. sex on her and then they're they're out um like kissing they're outside and kissing and all of a sudden his parents' friends come up and he like he's like oh shit and he just like, like yes. scrounges around in his like in his jeans until yeah and like find the right mm-hmm. uh, like whatever the best he can hide it which is like not at all it's like it's like and and what and what male hasn't. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. It's
0: well. No, that's and that's something I love so much about this movie is like the relatability of that. Um, I I can say as someone who has been in multiple same sex male relationships, it just it gets so it gets just so right what that is. Like the the roughhousing, yeah, and and it's not like toxic. It's not like toxic masculinity. Let's fight. It's just this no. like playfulness that like I just you from my understanding you just, you don't have that with a male female. Relationship or a female-female relationship necessarily. Mm. No, it's not saying you can't. Everyone can roughhouse. It's a free country. But let I, us know in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> how do you roughhouse with your partner? But yeah, just the way they like push each other and like I think about like in, when they're in the water, and you know he he steps up to him for the first time, and then he like walks away and like, kind of punches him playfully, and then he like jumps on his back, and then when they're in the little apartment and um, Bergamo, yeah, uh, they're like jumping on each like it's, it's there's just this like playfulness to their relationship that i it just it just rings so true to me that like i've just never really seen that represented it feels almost like
1: a high school romance in ways Mm -hmm. you know sort of of like this like this teasing and like you know you're kind of like trying to act like oh i don't really like you ha 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 but then like you know they do yeah um but yeah it's it's um it's nice it's nice little moments Mm -hmm. you know what's your favorite scene in the movie oh god i mean like Michael Silverberg's speech at the end is just so wonderful. Yeah. It's one of it's one of the finest moments I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. However, I think I think I really like that aforementioned mentioned um, the the piano scene yeah. when when he when he's playing for Oliver for the first time and there's just there's so much physicality. It's less about the words mm-hmm. and more about the motions, more about the little the little uh, little facial tics. Um, there there's a there's a great like beat where where he's where he's playing um, and like uh, Oliver is like pressuring him to like like play it the way it's supposed to, yeah. and he doesn't, and he leaves the room, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Timothy starts playing a different way, and he like is drawn back, like like yeah. like like anyone else would have just like left the room and been like, all right, you're just being a spoiled little brat, but mm-hmm. like he's like, oh okay, you're goading me, yeah, and and you know comes in. And the camera still stays, but it just pans just so much, so he can go and he can sit on the edge of the couch. Yeah. and you know it's it's all so subtle and perfect, mm-hmm. perfectly, perfectly directed, perfectly choreographed. Yeah. And it feels like a play. Yeah, it does. It's it's very, it, it, but it's not stagey. No, it's not stagey. Um, but just
0: just that the, the closeness and the intimacy of that, and obviously just the fact that the camera doesn't cut. Mm-hmm. It just feels it feels so play like. Um. And,
1: well, and the line where he um where. Elio says well because Bach didn't write it for the guitar mm-hmm. it's just like oh god
2: it's just so. we good. don't even know if Bach wrote it at all yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, it's, just, it's just so good
0: I, I love that that scene ends with Elio saying he dedicated it to his brother because mm. there's this moment of Elio's an only child he yeah. doesn't have not only does he not have that sibling relationship he has not yet felt comfortable enough to have this romantic relationship with someone of his same gender and just that moment of even just alluding to the fact that Oliver could be something of a brother to him, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just that relationship, that intimacy he's never felt with someone else before. Yeah, I just I, I love that little delivery. I love that scene too. Um, I
2: never, I that I didn't catch that. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm an only child. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's 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 hard to talk about your favorite scene because, like, yeah, I like I want to talk about Sulorg's monologue, which is. I heard it described as, like, it's one of the rare things that could be hyped up for you and be over... Like, you will be hit by it no matter what. It can't be per- overhyped. It can't be overhyped. Yeah. I love um the whole scene set to Mystery of Love where they're running through the canyons. Um, I love the... And again, these I'm going to get to what my favorite scene is, but these are the ones that, like, I'm almost embarrassed to almost consider because I feel like they're so like, oh, of course that's your favorite mm-hmm. scene. I love the one-shot pan through the um the town center with the war memorial Mm. that to that to me is more tension filled in the release of the end of that scene is hotter than any sex they could have shown Mm -hmm. i love just the way it's shot one of my favorite things about the scene is there's kind of this moment and this might just be to me who knows like for anyone else it could have just played out a different way when he is spouting off facts about the memorial and he's talking about like it, you know, it was the most deadly war of world war Mm one. The the first time and every time I've seen it, I've never decided I can't tell if he's lying or not and not lying. I can't tell if he's saying these things to sound smarter than Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because he is a very intelligent person, but I, I just have this moment where I'm wondering, is he just saying this because he wants to impress him?
1: When you have that moment when Oliver is like, is there anything you don't know? Mm -hmm. Like, and he says it he says it was with just enough sarcasm in his voice that yeah. That, you that, almost that, feel that like he makes sense. Yeah, like I,
0: I have this moment where I think like maybe he knows that he's lying, but he's letting him get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like you can just you can read that so many different ways. And this that power dynamic is so interesting. So I, I, I love that and obviously like I love the just, you know, because I wanted you to know if you only if you only knew the things that didn't
1: matter. Like all of yeah. that just like really gets me. And it wouldn't work. If they weren't so separated. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if it was, this was a scene where it's just like, you know, over the shoulder, over the shoulder. Like, yeah. But yeah. like, it, you're right. It's so visually dynamic. Mm-hmm. It creates like a divide between yeah. them.
0: And we are, as the audience, removed from it as well because yeah. we are not in their faces as the scene is. We, we are also at a distance as yeah. they are at a distance to each other. And it feels so correct mm-hmm. in how that's staged. Um, but my favorite scene in the movie is actually one we already talked about briefly. I love when he gets the nosebleed. And goes and sits Mm. in the little area. And then just the crowded intimacy of them sitting together. And the way that he like rubs his foot. And the way that he. The way that he says you're going to fucking kill me if you do that. I just that to me is like. I almost like I'm crying thinking about it. Like it's just (laughs) the way that he. I love the way that he's smiling at him when he says it. And he's like grabbing at his um, Star of David necklace. Like it's just. And then the the way he just kisses Mm -hmm. his foot at the end. Like it is just so. 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 Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do we need to talk about? I just don't. Well, I, always, I, I, well, it, it, I could talk about every single scene. Like, I don't know. Well, I, I want to give like
1: a quick shout out to the scene where, um, where Elio is just like laying with his parents and his mom reads that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful aching little scene and it like, it doesn't last that long. No. But. Also
2: water. There's a storm going It's raining. On. It's just, it's yeah.
1: pouring rain and. It just it exposes their family dynamics so in such yeah. a beautiful way, right? You know, it, 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 up until this point, you are like this family is like perfect, but they they are not really that. Per- no, yeah, they, they they just they get each other, yeah. You know, yeah. And the way that like she is like playing with like Elio's hair, mm-hmm. like as she's re- it's just oh. Ellie Belly. Ellie
0: calls them Ellie Belly. Oh my melts god, melts my heart. Yeah. It's the, their, di- their family dynamic is so great. I, I, I think that, you know, Stuhlbarg like rightly gets, you know, the praise he deserves for this role. Mm-hmm. But Amira Kassar, who plays his mother, wonderful. Is, is wonderful. As we mentioned, like just the way that she lets him be, the way that she just wears those high-waisted
2: pants. <laughs> like
0: I, I love the little scene where um it's, I think it's right before he's about to go, um for lack of a better phrase, fuck the peach. And he has this, like, moment with his mom where he kind of, like, stops and, like, hugs her a little tighter and kisses her. And it's, like, yeah, like, that – you don't – there's no point – part of me that's, like, these are two actors who don't know each other that well or just Mm -hmm. met. Like, and I and I feel – I could be making this up and I don't want to, like, you know, quote something that's wrong. This feels like one of those movies where, like, they all lived in the house together while they were filming it. You know what I mean? Like, there's just – there is an intimacy that I just do not understand how they created because it is so – Spot on. Yeah. It is so lived in. It is so real.
1: Is, is that, the, is that the moment where he, he, uh, she's like coming in the door frame? Yeah. 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 And it's like, fra- again, gorgeous film, mm-hmm. wonderfully framed when all of it just mm-hmm. so well composed. Yeah. You know, that it, that's like, it's framed like a painting. Yeah. That, that, that scene. People don't really talk about how gorgeous this movie is. Yeah. I, you know, I, it, when they talk, it's, it's the peach, it's mm-hmm. the monologue, mm-hmm. it's the whatever. But like, this movie is gorgeous without drawing attention to itself. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I, there were certain times when I, w- when I was rewatching it where I was like, that's not, that's not a real image mm-hmm. that that's
0: the green screen. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. That's, yeah. that's just, that's what it that fucking looks like. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yeah. Aw-
1: it's just dro- jaw dropping.
0: Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I just, I love those small thinking about that. I was, just, I was just thinking about like the domesticity of this movie and just like how like Mafalda and, um, it's an, an- they just they're just like living they're just living around um i love that like the actress who plays mafalda is like i think they just like found her like yeah. she just was like a local woman um
1: they just drop in yeah. and out yeah
0: i and i get i i guess i just really love the nosebleed scene more than i realize i love when he goes to find ice and he pulls like the frozen pig's feet out yeah. and just like <laughs> holds it up to her and is like what am i supposed to do with this and i so when i rewatched it the other night <laughs> it's so wonderful um, <laughs> it's so funny and you know and obviously mafalda is great in that moment I, so I was watching it with, as I mentioned, my boyfriend and then uh, my friend Helen, former guest of the show, who was on uh, for a Men, Women, and Children episode. I felt so bad for making Helen watch Men, Women, and Children that I said, Helen, please come over and watch Call Me By Your Name. Let me make it up for you. And she verbally told me that she forgave me for that just because she was able to now see this movie. I was laughing because we were watching it. And in that scene, he like puts the pig's feet back in and doesn't close the freezer all the way. And Helen goes, "Oh my god, the freezer's still open!" And then Mafalda <laughs> comes over and closes it. <laughs> so I'm just like, Mafalda over here saving the day. Oh my god, it's Mafalda, wonderful. She, I just the, everything that she like, where she where she rings the bell for dinner, and she's just like, it's so like stoic. And then I love that she like brings the clothes in, and he he is like, it, I think it's right before he's get, about to go in and put the shorts on his head. Um, he like goes
1: to his desk and like sits down. And, like she comes in and like mm-hmm. puts his clothes on the bed, and then she like ruffles his hair and walks out. Or when uh, when the fishmonger comes and, mm. and he like wh- and she just like rushes out and helps him carry the f- it's just yeah. like yeah th- these are just little moments yeah you know? and she just she's here she exists mm-hmm. in this and planet
2: and, ju- and the joy of the fish right oh this is a great fish I'm very happy <laughs> yeah. that we have this for that um
1: hour. in the commentary Michael Stuhlberg said like um he was like yeah we had to like rush to get that fish back into the ocean <laughs> like <laughs> um
0: actually I wanted to go back to what we were saying about art I mean. It, again it's it's so obvious but you don't think about it cuz this movie is just so lush and lived in but like the, he is li- like he's literally a professor of antiquities like mm-hmm. he is a art professor and this movie is full of gorgeous people and it mirrors these gorgeous you know statue i mean you know it's it's literally he says it in the line almost daring you to desire them mm-hmm. like it's like that is just so much what this movie is about it's about art and it's mm-hmm. about looking for yourself in art and then looking for yourself in other people. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, I remember when this movie was so to take, to take people on the journey of like, you know, before I even saw this movie, I remember it premiered at Sundance in 2017. Mm. And at that point, I think I had like seen a bigger splash. So I like, I knew of Luca as a filmmaker. Um, I obviously knew who Army Hammer was and I didn't have any idea who Timothy Chalamet was, which is just wild to think about now. Um, but yeah, I remember being like, oh, gay romance set in italy lush blues and water and sex yeah this movie's gonna fucking slap <laughs> um so remember like it you know it, it had a great buzz and i think people were already talking about the monologue mm-hmm. um and so then it came out in december of that year we all went and saw it yes um you and i did it was uh you me katie and ben yeah i believe um in the theater it was the it was like it was like the thursday night it was showing. the premiere it was the premiere the, yeah. like, here in chicago and it's weird to think about that because that theater was so full and yet i wasn't uncomfortable watching it with people but like it's just such a movie
1: that i don't want to watch in a crowd almost like i don't know how yeah, do you feel about that yes but I feel like it's it, it's an inviting enough film mm-hmm. where where it can make you just feel comfortable. You oh know? sure, yeah. You know, it's 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 like a big hug. Yeah, and
2: I mean I've definitely watched it on a crowded airplane before. Yeah, because I'm like I need something nice. Mm-hmm. This is a terrible experience. I need something nice and pretty. and yeah. pure.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't mind watching it with a lot of strangers. I think I would have felt more uncomfortable if like. Not to sound cliche, but if I had invited my parents to go mm-hmm. and watch it, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, like some old friends or like something like, I mean, like, like you and Katie and Ben are different. Like, yeah. we love these kinds of movies. Right. Um, if I had just met you guys, I would have been like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, it's
0: a great movie to watch with people that you really, I mean, when I've rewatched it, I've, I've like had friends over who haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And I will literally make my peach and brie grilled cheeses and uh, we will watch it. I've literally done that like three times now. Yeah, I, it was, a, like, I just think, like, we had so long to wait for this movie, because, we, like I said, it premiered at Sundance, and then it was, like, literally released at the end of the year, because Sony Classics was pushing it for their Oscars, which mm-hmm. obviously, you know, worked for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just remember, like, that whole year, like, that summer, just, we were, like, waiting for Call Me By Your Name, yeah. and
2: then it... Well, yeah. I just remember, like, seeing the trailer, mm-hmm. like, early on, and being like, oh, yeah, this is this is even the trailers pretty and yeah like you get the the title written in that mm-hmm. opening credits I love. script and the music and, and it's like oh especially seeing it like at an AMC where everything's digital and mm-hmm. you're like oh this is something that was shot on film right or at least it was shot with some exactly like some noise in when, it
1: when and what's that stoolbarg line where they have it in the trailer he says like something has a cunning way of finding our weakest. Nature, has a, cunning Nature has a cunning yeah. way of finding. Yeah, it's oh god. Yeah. He- hearing that, I was like, that, I, I I assumed that was like in his like big speech, mm-hmm. and then like I was like, oh, this I'm not prepared. Yeah, I'm not prepared for what this is
0: going to be. It's why the production budget of this movie was 3.5 million, and it looks
1: like it just cost so much more than that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's it's like lavish and yeah. gorgeous. I mean, like, you were talking about how, like, this is one of the most gorgeous, like, homes you've ever seen, mm-hmm. like, in an entire, like, in, in any movie. And, like, I I, th- I think Luca, like, just looking back at, it, at the two films to before this, mm-hmm. I Am Love and then A Bigger Splash, he has such a knack for just, like, finding these, like, yeah. gorgeous, I think one of them was actually his home. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I want to say, I think I Am, I Am Love, Love was just his, like his home. House, yeah. yeah. Um, But it's just, like, he has such a way of just, like, finding already gorgeous places and mm-hmm. somehow making them more gorgeous. Yeah. Like, a bigger splash, like, looks even more gorgeous than that area yeah. of the world actually is. Right. I mean, he just, like, he lets hot people be hot. Like, he just... That's true. He
0: lets locations be hot. Like, yeah. he just, he he centers his movies around... I mean, I guess Suspir- Suspiria is kind of an interesting deviation i love you love it's, We loves, remarkable. It, it's remarkable it's incredible it feels like the least luca guadagnino at least in like comparison to like what he's made before but even then that movie is almost centered around the dance studio
1: yeah but th- i think that's also his probably his coldest movie you yes. know it, oh, personality-wise yeah. like it feels so detached at times yeah. which is the point um but yeah it's just it, he's just so good at atmosphere he's he's so he's so good at making his locations as much of a character Mm -hmm. as his character exactly um should we talk about the monologue yeah it's (laughs) it's what i've been wanting to talk about this whole time (laughs) well i because i remember it premiering at sundance i remember hearing about the monologue and Mm -hmm. there was a tweet i remember reading where it was like calling by your name is so good but then michael stuhlbarg comes out of nowhere with this monologue that like that like the person said like they were like grabbing onto like their armrests and like sobbing because it was so powerful and yeah. impactful mm-hmm. and i remember like reading that and being like it's going to be good i don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be that yeah and you know the whole movie sort of build, it builds up to this because there there are so many hints that you know samuel i think yeah. Yeah, is is a supportive father you mm-hmm. know and and he and he, and he he wants his son to experience this journey mm-hmm. you know and and what and he's he's not he's not intrusive you know he's just very there mm-hmm. and then you know elio god and then like elio you know says goodbye to oliver mm-hmm. and he and, he, and he, he comes home and he walks into like the the door frame and just looks decimated and, and his dad's just waiting there and he's yeah. like you want to talk mm-hmm. and he sits and he doesn't pry anything out of him he mm-hmm. doesn't pressure him to say anything and honestly the whole scene is just michael stuhlberg talking yeah you know he's he's not he's not asking elio you know to mm-hmm. unless he wants to yeah and it's just so it's such a refreshing it's 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 like another breath of fresh air mm-hmm. in a movie that's already full of breaths of fresh air yeah and just the way that he delivers this monologue so matter of factly so quietly and sensitively mm-hmm. and just with this tenderness that I, I think has seldom been seen in, yeah. in movies with with this kind of content. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so so many movies, you know, that are that are queer, you know, most of the parents in it are just, you know, stereotypically, mm-hmm. you know, conservative. Right. And very, you know. Yeah. But the, the way the way that he delivers this, it it doesn't feel judgy. It doesn't feel like he's assuming anything mm-hmm. he's just like speaking his mind he's just yeah. saying like this is a thing you had mm-hmm. and it was gorgeous and it was beautiful and you should never feel ashamed for that yeah and i i don't know like i lost it yeah it's oh, just god it's, it's so hard to watch it yeah
0: and in the best way yeah i love the when he says like have i spoken out of turn like he's just so welcoming in that moment mm-hmm. and he's just he's just he is there to be he like i mean i he i don't think What's what's beautiful about the scene is he doesn't go. I don't think you, that character goes into that scene assuming that he's about to do that. No. I think it's just it, he just see he, in the moment he sees what his son needs. He doesn't. I don't think he said mm, today I'm going to come out to my son. Like he, I think he just in that moment he sensed what
1: Elio needed to hear. And he never he never explicitly really says anything. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it so great mm-hmm. because like he's he's like he's relating to him but, like, not on a, like, surface level. Mm-hmm. This is, like, a deep spiritual level. Right. Like, like when he says, like, what, what you and Oliver had, he's like, I've never had that. Yeah. And he's like, and I wish I had that. Yeah. And it's just, it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Also because you feel really bad for his mom. Well, I was going to bring
0: that up. I think what's interesting about that, and, again, this is, I think I've, like, read this scene differently every time I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So one thing I find really interesting is... I don't feel as if just because he says that that undercuts the love mm-hmm. between um anella and sam i mm-hmm. i i I think and this again i this probably has changed since my first watch to my second watch to the most recent one, but watching at this time I, I I was really just caught by the fact that it felt as if he was talking about like the intensity of mm-hmm. the romance like I think he was talking about the sexual connection because I feel sure. like. They have a very lovely, and I know like with the sequel coming out. I think like, and I think even in the in the book we hear that his parents didn't stay together, or or maybe it's just that his dad died had died by the epilogue. I think so. I want, and I just want to say maybe in in reading things about find me, I'm pretty sure that they didn't stay together, mm-hmm. Sam and um, Anella, which I I really kind of dislike as a choice personally, mm-hmm. just because I really love their relationship. Yeah. Um, my re- in my reading of it too, is that when Elio says, does mom know, he's not asking, does mom know about me and Oliver? He's saying, does mom know about you? So I, that so that is, my reading of it is that I would read Sam as bisexual. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And what he is saying about, I, I think he's not saying I never had the romance. He's saying I never had like the the whirlwind intensity. Well, the experience. Yes, exactly. It, you know, he it, was it, never allowed to do what Eliel El- El- right, got to do. Right, right, right. Yeah. And at
2: that age. Exactly, yeah. And probably, like, he's doing this because he's like, I, man, I, I wish I had this. Mm-hmm. I wish I had someone who talked to me. Right. I wish someone had told me that if I took all of my feelings and threw them away, I'd be emotionally bankrupt <laughs> by 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's... And
0: for your... What is the, your heart is worn out and for your body well, there comes a point when no one wants to look at it like oh, it's just devastating
1: and just what a waste oh well, yeah what you a know? waste well and the scene wouldn't work if Luca wasn't such a generous director mm-hmm. because like he he lets them discover what the scene is yeah you know it never it never feels like it never feels like Luca was like reading the script and he was like oh, okay so this scene is this yeah you know because mm-hmm. th- you you can read this scene and you can have, so, like you were saying so many interpretations of it. So yeah. many, what, but like the way that they deliver it feels like the right one. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like stinted right. at all. You know? This is the
0: rare movie where like, I'm not, I feel like in, in movies that I love, there will be one thing that I'm like, mm, I just feel like that didn't hit super well. Like mm-hmm. that didn't connect. I would have done that a little differently. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. This is one movie where there just, isn't a choice that I disagree with. Um, yeah, I love like that scene. Isn't showy? They're not panning the camera. Like it's just he, just he just sets it up. It's like shot reverse shot. Like it's just it's just so simple. And he knows that he can do that because he's got two incredible actors. Like he's like I don't have to I don't have to do anything else with this. Like yeah. it's he, he is not an over director. No. Um, and don't and, get me wrong. I love I love someone who's showy with a camera. I love Steven Spielberg. I love that man. But he couldn't make a movie like this. because no. it's too. I don't know if too intimate's the right word, but... It's too real. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it, like like we were saying, it just feels like just like observing these people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a story so much as it is just a life.
0: Yeah. But I do find, as authentic and as natural as this movie feels, there are two very specific moments that kind of lean in to the filmmaking of it. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, Oliver doesn't come home and it's... Feudal Devices is playing... And the kind of the blue hues kind of cut into the like, I think in those moments, what I find really lovely about that is it leans into the fact that this movie is a memory and that this movie is Elio's recollection of what happened. And it kind of becomes a little, I don't know if fuzzy is the right word, but it's that. And then later in the movie, when it cuts to the, the heat reverse, where it's them I think they're like in the square, and there's like I think at one point like Elio's shirts open, and Oliver's like kiss. It's they're yeah. having this intimate moment in public that they would never have actually been able to have. Yeah, and it to me it, it goes back to that like it's a memory, it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's it's you don't remember. Of course, they weren't running through the middle of the town square, kissing each other and playing on the the monument and whatnot. It they couldn't, but that is what it felt like. Yeah, and I love that the movie in in that moment kind of leans a little bit into the. Artifice isn't the right word, but like they're acknowledging that you were watching mm-hmm. a movie about a memory, well, yeah, it's and very... then juxtaposing that with just the, the, the such naturality of everything else.
1: Well, yeah, it's like everything is so very evocative of a feeling, mm-hmm. like in this, yeah, um, like going back to the monologue. It's it's as much a monologue about sort of regret mm-hmm. as it is like almost a celebration yeah. of of love, yeah. And I like that. I like that. I like that there are those moments.
0: Yeah. And I love... I think... I I don't know if this is in the commentary or if this is more just... He's, like, said this in interviews. But I love that Timothy has talked about how he came to that scene just kind of saying... Because I think he talks about how he's an actor who likes to, like, learn other actors' lines. So he kind of knows when he's coming in and how that's going. But he said for this one, he just was like, I'm just going to hear Michael Stuhlberg say this. I'm just going to listen and take this in because this is too big and this is too important. And I think the only... One of the only things that he says throughout the scene is, "I think he was better than me." Yeah. So it's I love that like it's really, you don't, you think about monologues... I, I at least me I think of monologues as being very theatrical. Like they're, they're stagey. They're, yeah. they're stagey. They're plays. You don't really get like the two monologues I can think of in movies are this and then the Cerulean monologue from Rose *Prada* because you rarely get a, a scene where an actor and I, you, that's Michael Sulekberg and that's Meryl Streep. Like you can't give that to a lot of. Not that like film actors are incredible, but not all of them have the ability to do a scene like that. So I think it's really interesting that you almost say the monologue scene. And those are the only two movies I think of. Like, I can't really think of other film monologues that...
1: Yeah, no. Well, it's just like, because like monologues more often than not drive the plot, you know, they're like plot devices, but like this one doesn't feel like that. It just, it just feels like a very natural sort of moment that just happens, you know? his son is clearly coming to him aching and this is the one thing that he can think of to say to him that mm-hmm. will make him feel even the tiniest bit better. Right.
0: And I think what they're talking about is so new for mm-hmm. both of them, especially for Elio, that of course he's not going to say anything yeah. during it. Of course it's just going to be his, his father has to take the le- the reins in that conversation. Yeah yeah, it's heartbreaking and beautiful. And the fact that I, I know Oscar nominations are not everything. I mean, clearly Megan Fox doesn't have an Oscar for Jennifer's body. So who the fuck even knows <laughs> what those assholes are doing, but not even nominating Stuhlbarg just feels like a slap in the face, like a slap in the face. And what a waste, and what a waste, what a waste, what a waste. What a waste what of an Oscar on Sam Rockwell. Sorry. So we've touched on it a little bit throughout talking about the film, but let's hone in a little bit on Timothy's role in his casting because it kind of is make or break for the movie. I think he's in every scene. He's in every single scene. He, and that's why one of the things that's been so interesting in doing this podcast is he's in a lot of not good movies, and he's always like the supporting. Mm-hmm. So to to watch this and remember why I really fell in love with him and like why I just am so enamored with him as as a talent and as a person it was it, it's always lovely to rewatch this and be like oh right because when he is given the centrality of this material he soars mm-hmm. like so that's why like in rewatching a lot of his old movies i'm like oh these are not these are not good like am i like am i crazy am i like idolizing this guy who hasn't really like done it much yeah and i mean yes he's very young he has a lot of time to give us a lot of great movies but to rewatch this and just to watch him work with this material is a wonder, so I just think that he obviously his role is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of no
1: <laughs> way to parse that out more finely. Well, it worked that they gave him such a quiet role mm-hmm. to sort of show how good of an actor he is, yeah. You know, like I wouldn't be as impressed by his performance in this movie if, like, everything that was like a part of his character like wasn't wasn't showy you know if if it was showy i would have been like "Uh," Mm -hmm. like it just feels like he's overacting but because the material isn't showy because the material just feels so matter of fact yeah it it makes his performance all the more impressive because Mm -hmm. he's it's it's him he's he's the one who's coming up with this characterization yeah you know yeah i mean it's and this is
0: getting a little bit more into performance that's fine because obviously his role in the film is huge and he was cast perfectly Mm -hmm. um just i mean look at he's he's an italian french american and he's that's what he's like this and that's why i kind of want to and this is kind of a dicey conversation i'm a little nervous to talk about it but like i personally don't get upset by the fact that this is a movie where two straight identifying actors are playing queer roles because yes more queer people need to get roles and we need them to play queer characters and not queer characters Mm -hmm. but I go back to the fact that this is a movie written by a gay man and directed by a gay man, produced by gay men who understood that these were the two actors who had to play these parts. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't see this movie working
1: with anyone else. I, I couldn't see it with any other young actor in his place.
2: It's a movie, it's a story about discovery. Mm-hmm. And if you had people who already made that journey, yeah. I think it would come from a less genuine feeling. Sure. Yeah.
0: There almost needs to be that fear, that yeah. apprehension, that like, that nervousness. So when he does grab his crotch in the meadow, it is such a shot. Like mm-hmm. that I remember the first time I saw, it, I was like stunned. Like I was like, "Oh my god, he like mm-hmm. full up grabbed his whole dick." Like I was like, "Wow." I I can't, I can't watch that scene and not think about like is he like
1: wearing like a like a jock cut like I just' like <laughs> I mean, did he just grab his like I'm like, did they just say go for it like i I overthink that well, I mean, like you know like army hammers like balls were apparently hanging out of his I know, shorts, like yeah. all the time so well, I think know. and
2: I think that's a particular scene where it was the probably digitizing happened. had to happen yeah
0: right? um, but it's just so funny to like watch how like good of a friendship army and Timothy have and it's just like y'all like really went to town on each other like yeah <laughs> um but but yeah, um I, I understand there's a more nuanced conversation to be had about casting you know, queer roles and having queer actors play them, but this is a, an example in which it just doesn't bother me, and I know that there are people who would be on the other side of that argument, and I do, would not for one minute decry what they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they are wrong. In an ideal world, of course everyone has equal opportunity to do whatever role they want to play, and... You, know, you could say this about a lot of things, but in a, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need to have that argument because there would be queer people playing queer roles. And this yeah. would just be an example where they just happen to not be queer. Yeah. Um, so that's where I find his casting to be most interesting to talk about. Um, but yeah, his performance, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and it's something I really kind of, I caught on to because of this movie and then seeing Beautiful Boy and then kind of going back and rewatching his old stuff. But especially in this movie, he's such a physical actor. Yes. Um, as I mentioned, one of my favorite things is when he kind of you know pushes his fist underneath his chin during the scene where Oliver's getting on the train. The little dancing things we talked about, like adjusting his boner. Um, I think about the the scene where um they're at the 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 lake with with Maurizia and he she like tells him to like not watch while he's like while she's taking her clothes off and he like kind of like shrugs his shoulders together and like looks a little bit back and is like. This is a podcast. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm like pursing my lips and doing what he does, where he looks. He's pouting. He's pouting. Like he just. Those moments are so. I, I don't know. I. He's just such a physical actor. That that that's actually. If I ever were able to like talk to him at a Q and A or meet him, I would just want to like ask him about how he approaches that. Cause he does that so well. Well, oh, yeah,
1: because like he, there are times when he like arches his shoulders and like his joints mm-hmm. are like all over the, like, yeah. like what, like when he's smelling, uh, Ugh. when he's smelling Oliver's shorts. Yeah, shorts and he, and he's like in this like primal sort mm-hmm. of like animalistic, like pose. Right. You're just like awestruck by right. him because yeah. like it, it just, he captures the moment and the mm-hmm. feeling so well with his body. Well, yeah. That's,
2: that's, I think that's also a moment where you see him kind of, get into a an imaginative position of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. oh, what Oliver could do to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is really explicitly talked about more in the book. Yes. Um, which is interesting. Um, I like the book fine. Um, I think the movie is far and away more enjoyable. Maybe that's just because I'm more, I love reading, but I'm, I'm more of a film person. Mm-hmm. And just reading it, I just was like, I, the way that those actors embodied those roles, I just, I couldn't, get that out of my head. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting was more kind of coloring in those scenes of like him putting the shorts over his head or, or when he, cause in the movie when he is putting his hand down his shorts and Oliver comes in the room, you can obviously imply that he has a boner, but like I keep saying boner a lot in this episode. Sorry. So
2: wait, he has a lot of boners. He has a lot this. of boners. Yeah. Um, it's a hardy movie full of boners. Yeah, Call me I'm, by your boner.
0: Call me by your boner. I'm just mostly laughing because Casey hates the word boner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry I'm saying it so much, Casey. So, in the book, it's made very implicit that he is—he thinks that uh, Oliver can see that he's hard. But in the movie, you never—like I said—you never see that his shorts are tinted, so you don't—you wouldn't maybe pick up on that right away. Obviously, you know that he's like a little embarrassed and whatever, but like they're big
2: shorts though. Yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah.
0: yeah. They're naturally tinted. Covered in flies, you can hardly tell. <laughs> it's just that's the pattern. Flies on flies, flies on flies. <laughs> um, but yeah, and just and even before that scene starts when he he's cradling his head in his arm and he's blowing on his armpit hair like it's there's just as good as he is at delivering i mean like i Mm -hmm. said like i love the the jews of discretion line like you know if only you knew the things i didn't know like obviously he can deliver lines but the way he physically acts like the like and as i mentioned before, like the roughhousing between them the way that he like steps up to oliver when they're when they're in the river like he just he seems so i mean yeah he's very idiosyncratic he's very lanky um, he seems a lot taller than him. he's like five ten. Um, yeah. But I mean that, and again, that kind of goes back to the casting thing too. Of like, you need all because Army is six two, and mm-hmm. you know, all, or uh, uh, Timothy is five ten. Like, you just you need to have those scenes in which he seems so much bigger and taller than him. Like mm-hmm. when they first go into the bedroom when it's finally midnight and they're finally gonna have sex, and he's just like climbing him like a tree. Yeah.
2: Like it's
1: just, and he's like stepping on his feet. Like it's. When he gives them the massage mm-hmm. when they're at the volleyball game. Yeah. And like it, it, the dynamic is so apparent there. Yeah. And that's also a great example of how, how, great timothy chalamet is at like brooding mm-hmm. and like just like like just like looking like he is just so yeah. contemplative and like very just like uncomfortable he's brooding and, but he's also peacocking yeah
0: like the way that he's brooding but also strutting around that like the way he's strutting around that scene and his chest is puffed out mm-hmm. like as much as it can because he's so tiny mm-hmm. um
1: yeah just the way that he does that all simultaneously is a wonder or they're riding their bikes it's they're sitting in at the cafe and And Army just like leaves and he says like later Mm -hmm. and like they bike in opposite directions and Timothy just like looks over his shoulder really quick. And it's like in that moment you're like, oh, he's this. This is the first sort of like discovery where he's sort of just like, hold on a minute. Right. Like something's off. But it's so subtle. And like I couldn't see many other young actors doing something like that. Yeah. You know,
0: I also think it's and this is a bit more going back to film, but I also think it's wrapped up in performance. I love that at no point during this movie you are put off by the age difference. Yeah. Um, cause it never really makes it super apparent. Right. So, so Oliver is 24. Elio is 17 yes. in Italy. That's legal. Yes. Um, and I bring it up because I remember, so obviously I saw this movie. It, it was, and is very important to me. So my parents were going to go see it. And I knew my mom was going to like, I I think I knew that they were going to like it. I was worried that for whatever reason, I was worried my stepdad was going to bring up the age difference and how Mm -hmm. that made him uncomfortable. So I told them to call me as soon as they left the theater. And I had prepared this entire argument about how, why the age difference wasn't an issue. And I had it so ready to go. And my whole family uses find my, it's the app that you use, like find your iPhone and find people. You Mm -hmm. can share your location. I saw that they were, like, driving. So I called them. I said, I told you to call me right when you left the theater. And they're like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, so? What'd you think? I was so nervous. And they were like, oh, we loved it. It was great. It was, you know, like, and, they lo- and I was like, oh, my God. I had this, like, and then it was that thing where, like, you're glad. I was glad that he wasn't mad, but I also was a little upset because I prepared this whole argument about how the age difference wasn't a problem and, like, all this stuff. But, but yeah, it, it speaks. And, I mean, it, it kind of... It almost is acknowledged a bit in the in the dialogue when they're they're out on the balcony uh, after they finally kind of consummated their relationship and admitted how they feel and all this stuff and they're talking about how they had wasted all this time and he talks about touching him for the first time mm-hmm. when they're playing volleyball and he says well I felt like I'd molested you and it's almost like leaning into that idea of like yes there there is a a power dynamic here mm-hmm. and that, I think that that is such an interesting journey of the movie where. Um, you know, later after they have sex and Oliver is kind of so like, Oh my God, did we do something wrong? Did I do them? And then they they go swimming and he's Mm -hmm. like, are you going to hold what happened last night against me? Like in the, the power dynamic is totally now in Elio's court. Like Elio now has the power. Mm -hmm. And then he opens the door and calls him over and starts giving him oral sex and says, give your heart in and closes the door and like, like it just, that, that, the fact that that can all happen, and you're, you never feel as if someone is being taken advantage of. Yeah, it's
1: never exploitative, yeah. and everything is consensual. Right. There, there, There's a great little moment, it's right before they're going to have sex for the first time. I, I keep coming back to this no. scene, but where Oliver asks Elio, he's like, can, can I, I kiss, kiss you? you? And it's just like, oh. Yeah,
0: and, and Elio says, yes, please. Yeah, yes, like, please. oh, consent is so sexy <laughs> like no yeah you're so right like it, it, there is nothing in, and i think that even goes back to what we were saying about how we never explicitly see penetration or sex like yeah could it have been could it have worked probably but it just it it allows it leaves it to them mm-hmm. it's none of our business like it's again it, it's like what it Is parents the whole... It's none of our business. Like, it's no one's business but your own. Yeah. And this movie establishes that. Yeah. And that's why I just feel like that is why it never... Feels scuzzy. It never feels exploitative. Yeah. It's, e-
1: even with the peach
0: scene, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel
1: exploitative. Like like he teases. He's like, oh, I'm going to take a bite of the peach, mm-hmm. but then when Elio like breaks down and says, "Please don't," like he, he, doesn't. he doesn't. Yeah, he puts it away and right. he comforts him. Right. I can't, we never talked about the peach. So other than
0: I, the, other than I, the sound design <laughs> of the peach anymore, <laughs> we didn't even talk about the peach. Scene. Well,
1: well, the sound design of the peach scene too is also really oh my, great. Yeah. Like when, when he when he's fucking the peach, yeah. oh, you it, hear it, it. you hear it, but you, it doesn't. It's never gross. Yeah. No. It's
2: it's not. That slurpy sound. No. Right. It's, yeah, no. it's just
1: kind of like, oh yeah, it's, that's probably what it would sound like if yeah. you shoved your dick in a peach. Right, yeah. And that, I mean, just, it goes to, well, because <laughs> so
2: going, that just sounds so very,
0: but, but, well, it's, so going into this movie, we all knew there was a peach scene. Like, there, yeah. it was one of the
2: things like people talked about. They're like, S- I S- did not know when I saw it the first time. Oh, wow. I knew there was a peach, but I'm like, oh, I, I knew something was why. going to happen. What a journey for you. I okay, so,
0: um, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. So, there is a long-running joke in our friend group where um, when we all went to a screening of The Big Sick, we were saving... So it was actually it was the, the same four of us who saw Call Me When together. It was uh, former guest Katie Dively, her boyfriend Ben, Mike and I, seeing an early screening of The Big Sick. And we were saving seats for Katie and Ben. Long story short, they went to the wrong theater and then they had to rush to the theater we were at. And Mike was getting very stressed having to save these seats because the <laughs> attendants were asking everyone to like fill in the spots and whatever. And not knowing what to do, how to calm Mike down... <laughs> I gave him an unripe banana from my backpack because I had gone grocery shopping that day. And I ate it. And you ate the banana. (laughs) And and uh, it it
1: helped a little. It
0: did. So I, I, I say that to say, as a joke, I brought a peach to this movie. Did you leave with the peach? I did leave with Okay. Intact. What if I just handed it to Mike as we left? I said, this is yours now.
1: Um, but, yeah. like, but like, could you have imagined like giving me the peach like before the movie started and been like, this is in case you're going to be anxious. And then like, I'm just holding it and it happens. Right. Like, it's just like, I would have just like dropped the peach yeah. on the ground. Or you're eating it. Oh yeah. Right. The yeah.
2: Also, that's the juiciest speech I've ever seen. Oh, Why yeah. is all the
1: fruit so sumptuous in this movie? Even yeah. the juice, the like apricot the apricot juice. juice. Yeah, the I, I want to like bathe in it. Yeah,
0: no, the food in this movie looks incredible. I yeah, I mean, I just feel like we could go on for hours. Um, everything about this movie is note perfect.
1: Yeah, it it it's a rare movie where everything falls into place beautifully. Yeah, and like it's like a puzzle that fits. Yeah. just
0: right. Yeah, I mean this podcast would not exist without this movie because this is the reason. Yeah. I fell in love with this this man, our beautiful boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we should we jump to the peaches? Let's jump to As, the peaches. All right, I I just to, just to show my hand, it's we're we're just gonna <laughs> list them off. I think none of them should be too much of a surprise, but we can we can get into the nuances a bit and talk them through. But um, so
1: Mike, the movie one to five peaches. Uh, enthusiastic five yeah. peaches. An enthusiastic five fuckable peaches. Five fuckable juicy peaches. <laughs> whichever,
0: whichever form they want to take, I will, I will take. <laughs> As someone who would have... who. Well, I, I feel bad. I I was I always make jokes about how I definitely... I would have eaten the peach and I want Oliver to eat the peach. But then, as you mentioned, that he asks him not to and how sweet that is that he does not mm-hmm. Now I feel bad that I want to eat the peach. In <laughs> <laughs> the book, he does. He does eat the peach in the book. Um, Yeah, it's a five out of five. Yeah. I, I couldn't more enthusiastically give a movie a five out of five peaches. Um, Timothy's performance. Five peaches. Five peaches. Ag- again, agreed. I think... We make a lot of jokes about how it's so rare that we care about, like, a male performance in a movie. Like, I can mm-hmm. honestly say it's, like, this Recently, I'm talking recently. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Chris Pine in Hell or High Water. Underrated. Uh, Just... Yeah. Bradley yeah, Cooper believe. in A Star is Born. Also great. Lake Stanfield and Sorry to Bother You. Like, those are, like... I Like, I rarely... I rarely clock a male performance and really stick with it. Mm -hmm. At least like in the leading, like supporting maybe a little bit more.
1: Because it's rare that a leading performance isn't showy. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, like, we can look at who actually won the year that Timothy was (sighs) nominated. Gary Oldman. We dare dare not speak his name. But but... looking at that, that's a showy performance. Yes. Timothy's performance wasn't anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it it almost
0: is a wonder Timmy got nominated, given that this was really... It was a breakout moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I believe, is like, I think not since like Rick, Mickey Rooney, like in the 40s or 30s. Like, like he's like the youngest nominee since since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was, I believe, 21 or 22. So yeah, I. It's just an incredible performance. It's incredible that such a young person gave such a nuanced performance. He
1: he he looked like an old pro. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: genuinely feel like when we look back. You know, in twenty thirty years, this will be a performance that we talk about in the same vein
1: as anything Daniel
0: Day Lewis has done, or you know, other actors of that caliber. Also
1: nominated the same year as Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, he was he was nominated against like I frankly more powerhouse been. yeah actors. So what it was
0: it was Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread. Yep. Um, uh,
1: Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. For Get Out. Um, um Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Darkest Timothy Hour. Chalamet for Call Me Up by Your Name and. Oh, and then Denzel Washington for Roman mm-hmm. Israel oh, Esquire. I, yeah,
0: there's always there's always one I never I never see that. And then uh, what, what what was Defoe's Van Gogh movie? Oh, yeah, at Attorney's, Attorney's Gate. Gate. Yeah, <laughs> didn't see that every year. There's the annual Best Actor movie that Dane is never going to see. <laughs> um, yeah, I the fact that Gary Oldman won that, I in that it makes me that was such an awful Oscars for me because it made me dislike actors who I don't dislike. Yeah, even though now the Gary Oldman of it all because he has a lot of. Abuse allegations yep. against him, and watching no, wait, it.
2: Wait, till you see his his most recent movie, where he just does a bad Werner Herzog. Oh yeah, the entire no year. one,
0: <laughs> no one asked for that. Nope. yeah, yeah, it was that Gary Oldman stole Timmy's Oscar, and Allison Janney stole uh, Laurie Metcalf's Laurie Metcalf's Oscar, mm-hmm. and Frances McDormand. Fine, I mean, I think she stole Sersha's Oscar,
1: but I'm more passionate about the other two. And Sam Rockwell is the reason Michael Stuhlberg didn't get nominated. I'm exactly. just gonna, I'm just gonna go for that. Yeah, no,
0: I'm fine with that. I'm sure he didn't win. Because they gave Gary Oldman a career Oscar. Yeah, that happened. We give we give ingenue women mm-hmm. the Jennifer Lawrences, the Brie Larson's, and I'm not shading that. I love those women. I love that they win Oscars. I will go to my grave maintaining that Jennifer Lawrence deserved her Oscar for Silver Lines Playbook. But we give ingenue women Oscars, and then we give men career Oscars.
1: It's just like, but I just I don't want Timmy to win a career Oscar well, in like 30 yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, or my fear is he's you know? going to do. They're going to give it they're going to give it to him for his Revenant. It's like, yeah. Was
0: Leo good in the Revenant? Sure. But like, I don't, I don't need him to win that Oscar. And and
1: you're going to look back at like this performance and realize how much better it is than a performance he's going to win an Oscar for inevitably. Did someone start a Gary
0: Oldman podcast after Darkest Hour? I don't think so, honey. (laughs) Maybe they did. We should meet. That would be like the that would be like the epic rivalry showdown between the Darkest Hour based podcast. Yeah, that, and that, that would be a, that
1: would be a paper listen oh. uh, podcast. Ooh.
2: If there's a Darkest Hour podcast, I hope it's Lily James focused. Yeah, that's fair.
1: And I also hope that if or it even
0: Kristen Scott
1: Thomas,
2: oh, like, absolutely, focused, yeah. you know. Oh.
0: And if it came down to me and the host of that podcast fighting, I would just chuck the raw chicken breast that Gary Oldman slammed under his chin for that performance. Well, it,
1: actually, on his Oscar, it's engraved. It's just the raw chicken. Raw breast. chicken breast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel
0: about that. <laughs> uh, so Timothy's attractiveness, one to five peaches.
1: Well, so like I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think I'm attracted to Timothy. Okay. I, I'm. As, as many people who are close to me know, I'm very attracted to Jake Gyllenhaal. Sure. Um. However. I li- I like how lanky he is yeah. in this movie, mm-hmm. and he looks like he hasn't had sleep in like several <laughs> days, and I probably because he's up thinking about Army Hammer's dick. Right. But you know, like I'll give it a solid four. Four,
0: okay. Um, so it's a five for me. Of, of course, it not is. to shock anybody. Um, so I will say, and I, I I believe I've said this on the podcast before, like Timothy, like long haired IRL Timothy is like the most attractive to me, mm. or like Ladybird Timothy is most attractive to me but the the wisdom he brings to this performance, and mm-hmm. just the the worldliness and the, the the sense of discovery, like that all to me is where I let the character kind of. I, I find him more attractive because of the character.
1: All right, if we're going by that, it's five. Okay, but if we're going by like looks so alone, it's yeah. okay. it's a solid That's four. Fair.
0: And and I've never kind of laid parameters for these ratings and that because I think it mm-hmm. kind of takes away the fun of it if I have to. You only it's like it's like, <laughs> no, with, yeah. it's like with the hair it's like I kind of will be a little bit more staunch on the hair. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that, but like with with attractiveness, you're right. Like I, him in this movie, well, no, he might be my because there's just a lot of sweat and a lot of shirtlessness. Like it's very hot, but you're right. Like it's never well. It's like we were saying the the hotness of Army Hammer and the hotness of Timothy Chalamet have to be juxtaposed against each other. That's true, yeah. And they're both hot. It just kind of comes down to what you prefer, and some people prefer as we mentioned, when he hits the wall, that's a lot of bulk in army hammer. And then Timothy, it's a lot of length, And so for me, because that is more what I'm attracted to, it Mm -hmm. just, it, and then just with the character, I kind of put that all together and I just, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of just transfixed, which is interesting to bring up the hair. Mm -hmm. So hair one to five peaches.
1: I think this is one of the best haircuts he has had in a movie Mm -hmm. of his. Yeah. Um, because it just feels so nicely kept, you know, it, it, and it, and it, it's, it's, it's juxtaposed very well against his personality mm-hmm. sort of in this movie that feels yeah. a bit more wild and free, but, yep. but, but like his hair is just like immaculate.
0: Yeah. No, I was going to say.
1: So five peaches.
0: I'm, I'm also five, which is interesting. Cause again, I like long haired Timmy. I love long hair ladybird Timmy. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going into this movie thinking about it, I was like, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be a five out of five peaches for me just cause it's a little bit shorter, mm-hmm. but then you watch it and it, it ha- it's long. It's just, it's like you said, it's well kept. Like yeah. it's not long and like you know with the ringlets and the curls it's it's long and pushed back and kind of cut close in the back like you're right it it is surprisingly good hair yeah because you because it is shorter you think it's just not
1: the mop that he has his haircut feels like if like elio's parents were like ragging on him for having too long of hair and they were like get a hair and he's like this is the best i i'm gonna do yeah and Mm -hmm. it works
0: yeah it it is equal parts boyish but not high school haircut. It's not, you know, yeah. And that probably maybe has to deal with kind of the, the time frame of the movie. Like it's, yeah. it, it's, that is not what a, what a young man's haircut looks like today, I think. No. But yeah, I just, I love how unkempt it can feel and the way that it's curly, but not, it's not like, you know, I, I feel like in beautiful boy when the hair is kind of used to make him look very kind of like, like a drug addict, like a drug addict. Exactly. And then lady bird, it's like, he's the cool hot guy. Yeah. Here he has like the young intellectuals. Yeah. Haircut. Yes. So full fives from me, mostly full fives from you. Mm-hmm. Only discrepancy being maybe attractiveness, but that is just that's personality. That's subjective. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah.
2: Neither of you brought up the kind of journey his hair takes at Christmas time. Oh,
1: that's true.
0: We
2: did. Yeah. We didn't really
1: talk about that. But, I mean, we mentioned it a little bit, but um, just the ending of him just like staring at the fire.
0: Yeah. I did. just love that. He walks in the door and you go, Oh, he went full queer like yeah like he he gay now yeah. <laughs> like, he's got, like he's got like the black turtleneck and that yeah. shirt and he's got this like coat and it's like unbuttoned it looks a little like draped and he's yeah. got his hat and his headphones um oh yeah like and it, yeah and it's a little he's, bit longer he's got a, he's got a pompadour
1: it's, like, yeah, he's, yeah just,
2: it, he's it's full like new wave yeah
1: he looks like he deserves to be in a sufi and stevens music video which is basically what the ending is yeah in a way right
0: what the fly is supporting? Yeah. yeah, best supporting actor, best
1: supporting fly. <laughs> the fly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, we're past discussing things now, really, but I love just in that epilogue where he answers the phone, and he says, "Hi, hi, I miss you." Like it's, is there's no, yeah. there's no guard anymore. No. Well, it, but then it's kind of sad because then if you think about it, him looking into the fire, you could interpret that as like him putting his guard back up. It's true. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of, yeah. I, don't know, I guess we're gonna have to see or read in the sequel but yeah
1: well but it it just feels like a total like encapsulation of just like all these feelings that he wasn't able to say yeah now he's said them right and and i i feel like him looking to the fire is like more of like a self-reflection of like did i mean to say all of that Mm -hmm. was what were all those feelings that i said to him do i feel those now yeah or or was it just like i needed to yeah
0: i can't remember if i was like listening to someone say this or if i was talking with someone but I, i i someone said that it's now set in the winter, and he's mm-hmm. looking into the fire and the heat, and that's what summer was, and that's what Oliver was, and he's like basking in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, this is like killing me. <laughs> well, regardless of whether we get a sequel or not, the one thing I feel very, very passionate about is that if we get a sequel, Dakota Johnson better play Army Hammer's wife. She has to. That just with the Luca relationship. And I think they've like said that. Like yeah. I think that Luca, like I think like in Suspiria like interviews, they were like, oh yeah, like if we make it like Dakota is the wife. And I and, just.
1: And then let's bring like Tilda in as a weird kooky aunt. Sure. Why not?
0: And then I'm just saying it. I just, I mean, whoever is going to hear this, if you're somehow connected, I would be happy to play Elio's boyfriend. I, I would like to see. I, if it's set in the <laughs> 90s. He's living in New York. He and Lady Bird are working at the same magazine, and I am his live-in boyfriend. I just, I, just, I would like to see it. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining us. For it's I I, I keep wanting to think or, like I, I have the inclination to say it's our last episode. It's not, but no. this the <laughs> intention of the podcast was to cover the twelve movies that he had made theatrically up into this point. Or yep. now we're now we're coming up to the King, so this is in a way this is a bit of a conclusion of the original chapters
1: it's it in a way it's like an end of an acting era for him you know because like now now he's he's getting into these more substantial roles and you know because like because like he has he has the king he has dune he has uh little women you know Mm -hmm. it's all these much more substantial meaty roles much like this role in call me by your name it's sort of like proof that he he can do this and like he should be able to do this yeah, it just
0: it it feels like kind of like the crown jewel at the moment. Yeah, and it, it's nice to think about the ways in which that will be added to, and I, I have very high hopes for the King and for Little Women and mm-hmm. Dune and all those things. So,
1: the French Dispatch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, friend, of
0: course. Um, Mike, is there anywhere you want people to find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram. At Horkleberry Finn mm-hmm. um, on Twitter at the Eighth Horcrux.
0: You you love those those vanity handles.
1: I made them in high school, and I am too cowardly to change them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. Uh, the show is on Twitter and Instagram as well. We are on Twitter at ChalametChasing Chasing, and we are on Instagram at Chasing Chalamet. You can email us at chasingchalame at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, Please consider giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this podcast with your friends, your family, the Timothy Stans in your life. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by noted Mafalda Stan, Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, apple music and Bandcamp. our cover art was designed by jessica deal you can find more of her work at jessica deal.com deal is spelled d-e-a-h-l and this feels appropriate until next time later I have loved you for the last
2: time. is it a video is it a video